Hey guys, you're listening to the SCF Youth Podcast. On today's episode, we have guest star Alex McBride joining us today. He's my little brother who's a part of the SCF Youth Group, and it will be the first time that we have a student guest star on our podcast. All right, hey guys, uh, we are here with Alex McBride as one of our middle school students, Jeffrey McBride, his older brother, as our intern. I'm Nick, and we're just gonna be talking over some concepts that uh, we've talked a little bit here before. But before we get into that, Alex needs to do the conversation dice. So, we have a new dice. Um, It is the same ones. They're from Chick-fil-A's Kids Meal. I stole these from my daughter because that's what we do. Um, But she found a new one and she said, Dad, take this to the podcast. I said, okay. Um, Because she actually has listened to a few of these. But uh, you get to pick randomly from our two blue dice. Whichever one you want. You gotta pick the right one, though. Alright. Oh, that's the new one. We haven't used that one yet. And you have the black dice. And you're gonna roll it and then I will ask you a question based off of that. Um, So, yeah. Alright, so you have a shooting star, and you've got a guy pointing and looking off in the distance. So, has there ever been a time, a memorable time for you, where you saw a shooting star in your life? We'll say that. And we're, are we all answering? Or? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I have a story, but... It was the first year at the new campsite. Okay, so Sky Mountain that we're still using right now. Yes. So what was the what was what made it memorable? First time seeing a shooting star. Cool. In like real life, and it was it was when we had s'mores on the last night. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So it's just campfire fun, and you saw you saw a shooting star for the first time. Mm-hmm. Cool. cool. Jeffrey, what about you? Um, well, there's a moment that comes to mind where um, I actually never saw a shooting star, and it was well. Oh, it'll so make sense. So the moment that you remember seeing a shooting is star is it. the time you didn't right. see a shooting star. Um, at my DTS in Orlando, there was a meteor shower one of the nights, and I remember the fact that we had we had this huge. I don't. I can't even describe how huge this field was, and. They had all drove their cars out, and then uh, we all sat on the roof and watched the, the meteor shower. And everybody's like, oh, did you see that one? Oh, did you see that one? And I, I don't know what it was, but I was having such, like, just the worst weekend ever. And I was so mad, and I just, like, pouted the whole time, and I never saw one. And people were like, oh, did you see that one? Did you see that one? And I'm like, no, no I didn't. Jeffrey. And then I got so upset that I went to bed, and then they were telling me the next day, it's like, oh man, like, two minutes after you left, like, the whole sc- the whole sky just lit up in shooting stars, I'm like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't want to be here, I don't care. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah. I think for me, um, I had a student back when I was at RCF, right before I came to work at SCF, and this guy... As he graduated out of high school and went into college, he really was going to go into, like, studying space and stars and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
he grabbed me and some of his other youth leaders as kind of like a thank you. And we went up to like some field up past like Alina High School, like way up on Mount Rose Highway mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. And he brought like all of his personal uh, telescopes and then like set them all up to say, okay, when you look in this one, this is what you're going to see. When you oh, look in this really one, cool. this is what you're going to see. And he taught us like what he was passionate about. Just wow. as a thank you to the youth leaders. It was a really, really cool night. That's pretty cool. I saw Jupiter through a telescope once, and it looked like a like a Toy Story sticker. Like a Pizza Planet sticker? I almost bought a Pizza Planet t-shirt the other day. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I want one. And it was like 45 bucks. I'm like, I'm not paying that for a t-shirt, but I want it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, hey, one of the things that we were talking about was... Alex had some really cool conversations um, with you, Jeffrey, recently, and we said, hey, we want to bring him on to the podcast, one, because we want students on here, and mm-hmm. you being brothers, we knew where you were, and we could find you easily. Um, <laughs> but as we get going, we want students to be a part of this. So if you have something you want to talk about, or if you have questions, please talk to us on Sundays and Thursdays, and we will work your questions in. We will try and work with your schedules and get you here. But Alex, you had a question that we kind of wanted to discuss today for this podcast. So what was that question? Yeah, so that question was, how can we make people want to come to church? Cool. Um, I think this is a huge question to discuss. But before we answer what would make people want to come, I'm going to flip it on you, and I'm going to say for each of us, what is something that has made you not want to come to church? Um, Because I think that really is a lot of this. Mm -hmm. There's something someone did or something someone said that often keeps us from going to church. And so without going into names or details, like what was the root of why you didn't want to come for a time in your life. Um, so I'll have Jeffrey start with that. Okay. Um, I mean, I know you didn't really stop. Like, you've just been plowing through church. Yeah. But you had friends that pulled out of the ministry for yeah, a while. Yeah, I had friends that kind of left out. I mean, I myself, there were some times every now and then that I'd be like, no, I'm not going to go tonight, and it'd be like for two weeks or something. Um, but it was kind of hard just... I always felt like I was in the shadow of all my guy friends. And, like, it's like, oh, well, why would they want to hang out with me and talk to me if blah, blah, blah is here? Mm. And it's like, why would they Why would they even want to be friends with me when they can be friends with this person instead? And so a lot of the reasons why I really didn't want to go or why I did go and kind of just kept to myself the whole time is because I would always compare myself to the other people that were there. And I never went for me. I always went for other people. Um, So that was always kind of hard. Just kind of, I always felt like I was living in the shadow of some other friends that were in the youth group. And because I walked through that with you, I'm going to ask you some deeper questions too. Like, did depression ever play a role in that? Anxiety, migraines, like. Um, I would say migraines, not as much. I think depression, a lot, because depression kind of twists your view on some things, a lot of things. And so, I mean, I don't deny that depression. I would be surprised if it didn't have anything to play with it. Because I knew as we were walking through and I was kind of discipling you in those moments, the best thing for you 
was to get into community, to mm-hmm. to not be isolated when those yeah. things happen. And you'd use things like, well, my health or my migraine, mm-hmm. and I, you know, that's why I'm not there. And most of the time, I'm like, yeah, no, there is migraines in your life, and there's painful ones, and mm-hmm. I know that. But I also knew when that was like, hey, no, I'm I'm dealing with depression or struggling with something right now, and that's an easy answer to give yeah. Nick. And it was hard for me to to push on that. At the same time, I knew, man, if you just got in the room with somebody, mm-hmm. it started to to stop that inner monologue of oh, not yeah. worthy, right? So that was hard. Mm-hmm. And I watched that with you, and I tried to walk alongside, but there's gonna be Sundays oh, that I mean, people I mean, don't show up because oh, yeah. it's hard, and I don't. I mean, I was totally, me. I was totally arrogant, and I think in that. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I would definitely, I knew I had friends to go to. I knew I had the leaders to help me with, but I always chose not to ever acknowledge the fact that I knew it. Right. And so I think something, speaking of isolation, isolation, something Jason had talked about earlier in our staff chapel is he kind of had us do this thing to where it's think of the best moment of your life, Mm. whether it's the best day of your life, best moment or whatever it was. And so just think about that for a second, like best moment ever. Were you alone in that moment? Answer for most is probably no, because with friends or family or whatever, and that's what God calls us to. He calls us to be in communion with each other. Right. So if our biggest strength as Christians is to be in fellowship with each other and to be in communion with one another, what's the biggest way that Satan can distract us from that? Right. It's isolation. Is keeping us from those other people because he knows that when we do that's when we have those best days yeah i think those those are hard moments when you realize like i don't want to be at church because i know that there's something off in my heart or Mm -hmm. i don't want to be around people and i know there's gonna be people that are gonna ask me how i'm doing or um call me to work on something and i'm just not in that emotional mode to handle that right now and i get that Mm mm-hmm um, Alex, what about you? Has there been times where you just said, nope, I do not want to be there? It was it was when I started in the middle school. Like, since I was newer, I didn't know a lot of people. And I was, like, preventing myself from meeting new people and starting to become friends with other people. And in that time from, like, 6th to 7th grade, Mm-hmm that's when I didn't want to attend church. So I watched that, and I know for you, not only is your father a leader, your brother's a leader, you're pretty good friends with a lot of your brother's friends that were juniors, seniors in high school as you're stepping into middle school. Was it difficult for you to just separate, like, hey, I know I can hang out with these guys that are way older versus engage in relationship with someone my own age yeah that was hard because it was before middle school i was hanging out with those people and then when i got to the same like youth group Mm -hmm. with them as soon as i entered they left Mm -hmm. so it was kind of hard for me like what made it welcoming what made it comfortable to step in immediately left right and you felt kind of stranded almost is that Um, is that fair to say yeah okay Hmm. um for me the days that i didn't want to go to youth group growing up was um 
some of you guys remember. Actually, no, I think everyone's graduated out. That had Steve Denler as oh. our guest speaker at camp. I mean, that was my second year at camp at the old campground. That would have been um, my seventh or eighth grade year, yeah. Yeah, so Steve, he was the one that invited me to church. He was that exact same thing that you were saying, those guys that, why would they want to hang out with me if Steve was there? Man, he mm -hmm. was the cool kid. He was awesome. and I wanted to be like Steve. And, man, if anyone pointed that out of, like, you're just pretending to be like Steve. I felt like, oh, no, they figured it out. And, like, I'd be so ashamed of, like, I, I liked this guy and I wanted to be like this guy and I wanted to live by his example. Mm -hmm. And... I'm not being myself, so I was ashamed of that. And then I'd be like, oh, I can't go back because they know. Yeah. And that was hard. Or I think we see it all the time in the youth group. Not, maybe not for us personally, but youth group is a group of people that are in community with each other, spend time with each other, and there, there are relational fights between people. Um, both of you would probably agree. You could say if we think of any year at camp what was the big thing that was like the drama that oh year? gosh i can go back to my seventh grade year and name all of them right and in every year as staff we know like oh well okay this person's not getting along with that person how do we help them in that mm -hmm. why because people are people and there's emotions and there's times where we're not going to get along with people around us, even in the church. And for some reason, in the church, we pretend we have to get along. Mm -hmm. I will always say, when it comes to youth group, just show up. You yeah. don't have to necessarily engage with that person all the time. Well, yeah, I would say, like, some of the people I've never gotten along with, I don't want to say never, but the people I've always gotten along with the worst are almost always in youth group. Hmm. I can usually get pe along with people at school. I can usually get along with people at work or whatever. But I've always find it the hardest people sometimes to get along with are the people at youth group. Okay, so why? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's just me personally. It might be different for other people, but I just... What do you think, Alex? I don't have I, an answer. I agree one. because a lot of people don't take it seriously. And for most oh. people, they find they see church in a way that it's time to like goof around mm -hmm. sometimes i mean with him saying i did find it a lot easier in high school group but when i was in middle school group there were the people who never engaged there were the people who would sit in the back talking their phones or whatever <coughs> they would watch youtube videos during teachings and it's like come on like if you're not if you're not gonna engage then like like don't show up okay but so no here's the thing this is why people don't feel welcome in church. Because they've got to feel like, hey, if I don't, if I don't want this right now, they don't want me here. Mm. Or it's this, well, I, I'm just having a bad day. Like you could walk in depressed and angry and upset and you sit in that back row and you're just like not engaged. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in this struggling of my emotions and my life and and i just want someone to engage with me and say hey i see you and i understand you're going through a hard time mm -hmm. but to everyone around me all they see is me walking in looking upset sitting in the back row maybe grabbing my phone during hangout time because i don't i, I don't have the the emotional bandwidth to talk to someone right now right so i'm just gonna put my phone up and hide 
mm-hmm. but I'm really there for some other reason. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. it's easy for us to say, man. Well, if you just if you just engage, it would get better. Well, maybe they are engaging. We just have a hard time with that, and everyone does that differently. Like mm-hmm. for me specifically, middle school. I was the kid in small group settings, in worship settings. I was the one pushing people, literally wrestling during worship time. Like WWE, SmackDown, wrestling in the back. Mm. Because I was afraid to be real with people. And so my, my mechanism of hiding that was just literally fight people, be obnoxious, distract from the conversation getting real. Because if it gets real, then they're going to ask me about my life. Hmm. And so here, here's where I would challenge you both, or myself as well, to flip it back to the original question. Why would people want to come? If there's these hard moments, why would you want to come? It's because, man, this is where people can be real. Oh, yeah. So... Some people are going to be ready for that. Some people are going to want that. Some people are going to want that but not how, know how to show that. Mm-hmm. So you might have somebody in a small group on any given Thursday night make jokes or derail the conversation because their life is in chaos and they're just like, don't talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. If I can just make a joke and derail it, then we won't get to that moment where it's just painful. Yet they know, man... I go because I know, know the answer is there, but I'm not ready to engage in that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. So then what would make it comfortable for them to engage? I think from a leader's perspective, like if you're asking your st- – one of the things that we have we have as a rule is we're never going to ask our students to do something that we ourselves haven't done. And so asking our students to open up about their lives, they might not want to. But I think as a leader, it's important for us to say, hey, this, like, I'm a person too. I'm going through stuff too. This is what I'm going through. Because when I was a student and I realized, oh, my leaders aren't perfect. They aren't these know-all, be-all type people that, wow, they struggle with stuff too. It's kind of like when you see your teacher outside of school. You're like, wow, they exist outside of the school building. Um, It kind of just makes it more... It makes it more vulnerable, but in a good way, in my opinion. For you, Alex, like what? What would make it comfortable for you to be able to open up? Not be pressured into it. I would say is like a big part in that for me personally. Because mm-hmm. there's times when I get pressured, even at school, to like share stuff. And that makes me not want to share it even more. Or when we ask you to do a podcast last minute and pressure you to do this. I get it. I get it. No, right. Uh. Um, well, I mean, going to the thing, I'm like, if, would you ever willingly go somewhere that you feel uncomfortable? See, that's what I'm getting at. Probably not. But, man, yeah. what our job is as the church, where we would make it comfortable for someone to say, hey, I want to go to church. Mm-hmm. Is it welcoming? Is it a safe place? Yeah. Hmm. So that's the question. What makes church or a small group safe and welcoming 
to you personally, practically? I think for me growing up, it was always it was always being vulnerable. It was the fact that, hey, even our leaders are people who are here to guide you and help you through what you're going through. They're also going through their struggles of their own. And to realize that all of us aren't perfect at the same time, I think that was kind of, as weird as it sounds, that was kind of encouraging for me. Because it's like, okay, I'm not perfect. I know that. But now I know that he's not perfect. And now I know that she's not perfect. I know that they're not perfect. Um, I think that was, in a weird sense, kind of encouraging for me to be like, okay, it, it is okay to not be okay. What about you? What makes it welcoming? Or safe? To have leaders say that they will be like help you out and actually do it and then for people not to judge like judge you in, in any way with the problems or issues you have mm-hmm. see but here's where I've been push on you judge no I'm not going to view you different ever like, oh wow say. Alex is going through this I'm not going to love wow. you different yeah. but scripture <clears throat> does call us to when we look at something in our life that's out of balance and out of bounds to change and work on that. And so some people go, well, you judged me. No, I love you the same. I'm going to treat you the same. I called you out on it. But I'm going to walk alongside as we get better. Yeah. And the same thing for me. When I talk about stuff, I I hope my my volunteers, my students, if they see me doing something out of balance, they're going to say, hey, we need to work on this. Mm -hmm. And they're going to call me on that. Not because it's just my job, but it's like, no, like, I want that because I want to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bigger piece here that I'm always pushing, people come to me as the youth pastor and say, well, it needs to be welcoming or it needs to be a safe place. Mm-hmm. That's nothing I can do. And that's nothing my leaders can do. We can set the example and we can be a piece of that. But Alex, I would bet you see this as a middle school student the place that or the people that are going to make this a welcoming place are not us as volunteers or leaders is us as students it's you students the students so how you treat somebody that you see that looks disengaged or is making jokes or is derailing conversation how you treat them makes that a safe or non-safe environment and how they respond to that makes it a safe or non-safe environment. Mm-hmm. And if we come together as a body of believers and say, hey, how do we love each other and make this a safe place? That's where we move forward. And that's mm-hmm. what's going to make this a place where people want to be as a place that they know they can walk in and struggle with something, have a good day or a bad day, yeah. be disengaged or engaged but still loved and welcomed and saying, hey, I'm going to walk alongside. Could you you imagine walking into a youth group and having the leaders, the leaders be like, oh, wow, it's nice to see you. So glad you're here. And then you walk in and the second you walk in, the student just comes up and socks you in the face and throws you on the ground. And then everybody starts laughing. But the leader's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we're here to help you. Like, what, what are you going to get away from that most? The fact that the leaders are here to help you or that the students are making it unsafe for you to be there. Students. See, and you say that jokingly, I've seen Basically, that exact same thing happened. Oh, really? I saw a student walk in recently, mm-hmm. not this year, but a, a while ago, and they walked in, new kid, brought by a friend, and someone else in the room said, 
why the blank are you here? And it's like, what? Like, well, well they don't fit in church. Oh, I, I, I right? No, no, they do fit in church. Yeah. We, everyone is welcome here. But the moment you point out at someone and say, you're not welcome here, that right. drives me I, mean, I think I think you have a pretty powerful story with that. And um, his name Brian. What's his name? Uh, big, big guy. Big Dan. Yeah. We called him Big Dan. Yeah. Yeah, like my, my best friend in high school and in college, and we've kind of separated the last few years as we both have little kids and it's hard to see each other. Um, he used to beat me up in high school. Mm-hmm. And... When I got to camp one year, he was on the bus, and I was like, my week is ruined. Like, I don't want this mm. guy here like, why, at all. why are you here? Right. Out of all the people that can show up, why are you here? Yeah, and he was forced to go by his mom. Um, he was stoned out of his mind getting on the bus that day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. And, like, there's only one seat on the bus left. We're waiting for this, whoever it's going to be. And he walks on and seat right in front of me so the six hour bus ride to the camp i'm like ah i'm like grumbling the whole time he has this moment where he comes to understand who jesus is he gives his life to jesus he says i need a change and he turns to me and says look i can't hang out with any of my other friends because of the influences that they brought into my life you're the only believer i know can i hang out with you Mm -hmm. like everything in me was like no yeah and if it wasn't for that camp where my life changed as well, I would have said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's become one of my closest friends. He still he knows when life hits the fan is the hardest. I call him mm-hmm. because he's going to walk through that with me. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing I know we're going longer than normal. Biggest thing that to sum this up, what makes church good is realizing we're messed up, we're flawed welcoming people and then not judging people based off of however they respond it might come across right that they're disengaged or they don't want to be there but we don't know what's going on in their life that day Mm -hmm. because could you imagine finally getting enough courage to open up to somebody and then they just completely shut you down and be like really like i can't believe that you would do this this and this and it's like how disencouraging could that be to finally be able to feel comfortable sharing and then the second you share, they all just diss on you. And here, here's the thought. If you want grace in your life and you want someone to walk along with you and say, I see you, I love you, regardless of what's going on, and I'm going to give you grace in a day where you're struggling because of depression mm-hmm. or what happened at home or the pain you're in, and yet we don't allow that same grace for someone else, mm-hmm. man, we're missing the point. Yeah. And this has got to be a welcoming place. Um, Alex, do you have anything you want to say just to end this? Um, we got a little bit ranty, but I know you're a quiet guy too. So. Yeah. And I don't have anything else to say. That was pretty much it. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate the question. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I think, this it, was, I think this was a good insight to a youth group mentality yeah. that we don't necessarily realize sometimes. Hey, like I said, students, if you have questions or if you want to be on this podcast, let us know. And uh, thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.